0: season is over the college basketball
1: season is over dang i know i was was calling the day after the championship game the saddest day of the year it kind of is
0: yeah i i was uh i watched the game from my couch and i just kept watching the tv i i i did this as a kid i just watched the celebrate the celebration Mm -hmm. press conference Mm -hmm. one shining moment and you just sort of try to soak in as much as you yeah. can in the, at, at the end of the year, and then, mm. then all of a sudden you wake up the next morning, it's all gone. I know. we got a a while before more basketball. But that's okay. Mm. we got plenty of, plenty to talk about. John Nieto, Chris Hetty in for another edition of the Half Court Press. Let's look back before we look forward. Yeah. The Final Four, man. Yeah, you were there. What, so were you. I was also there. <laughs> um, I didn't go to the game, though. Yeah. Um, I did the experience like a fan would, and we evaluated, and tried to weigh the reward for going in. You did a cost-benefit analysis
1: of <laughs> right. whether or not you should pay $400 to get inside of the exactly. arena. Yeah,
0: uh, You could get in for about 250 300 on Saturday for the two games, mm-hmm. but you were sitting in the $300 level. Um, so a different type of environment, but it was fun. Minneapolis is a good host city uh, for an event like that. I wonder but but what was it like in the stadium? outside yeah. the stadium, it was crazy. There was there was a lot of it was a lot of fun to watch it and mm-hmm. th- the games in different spots. but what do you think about the
1: atmosphere inside? Inside it was kind of cool because um, I kind of had this inner battle with myself for the first hour that I was there because it was like 10 year- old me was like doing jumping jacks and flips and was like going crazy, and then like professional trying to be professional me was like, okay you're here to do a job, like, just kind of calm down. But every time you walk past, like, a Final Four sign, you're like, holy cow, I'm the Final mm. Four. Um, it was cool. I mean, it was, like, the, the football guys got to go down to the Peach Bowl a couple of years ago, and they still talk about how great it was and how great the hospitality room was and blah, blah, blah. But, like, being there and seeing, you know, the coaches and how excited they were just to be there um, and then being able to sit down, you know, below and kind of near the court. I mean, even watching, like, the All-Star game, where there's, like, thousands and thousands of people here. Like, it was just so cool. It's so, like, grand and spectacular that it's hard to kind of boil down. Um, But it lived up to the hype that I thought of in my head of, like, what it actually looks like. And um, I was lucky enough to be able to watch a game and a half of the Final Four Mm. from the floor. And it was kind of cool. um, I actually, I have a nice little, um, I'll have a memento from the trip because... I was right behind the Auburn student section, and uh, they obviously lost in a horrible, spectacular fashion. And someone, some angry fan just left their pom-pom right next to my computer on, my, on, like, where I was.
0: Angry or maybe just sad. Very
1: des- despondent, maybe. <laughs> um, but it was cool. I mean, it was great. And the one thing I was—we I was, kind of talked about this a little bit, but I was surprised the lack of, like— there isn't really like a downtown scene right there next to the stadium. Not not next you know? to the basketball. or so where next were to you? The football stadium. So what
0: were you? The real quick before like, okay, I wanted okay. to ask one more question about the atmosphere inside. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I heard, I heard it was pretty wild in terms of that that first game, Auburn, Virginia. Mm-hmm. The PA announcer announced over the loudspeaker that like Auburn going to the yes, national they did. championship. Yes, they did. Yeah. And, uh, because the foul call on, on Kyle Guy mm-hmm. in the final seconds. It was wild. Was, was you know you couldn't hear the whistle, so, but you knew something was up. You know that that I mean, just watching it from the bar we were at, we had we had to, that split second of like, is it over? Yeah. Or?
1: So I was actually, um, I was up in the concourse with Fred Hoiberg at that time, mm-hmm. and so it was me, Fred, and then one of Fred's friends, and we had. So the thing is, is so he obviously Fred is a is a father of a Michigan State player, and so they have family seats next like right behind the benches but you can't go there until the game prior is ended. Okay. So we were just kind of waiting around. And so we had a pretty good angle. You know, I, I saw Kyle guy get the, you know, get the shot up and he came down and you know, the buzzer sounds and you know, they, they announced it all this. And now and, and we were all collectively kind of like, Oh wow. Like that's, I mean, this is a big deal. Like Virginia, like, wow, this is a big deal. Auburn. Um, and then there was just like this five seconds where we were like, well, is it over? And then I watched Bruce Pearl freak out yeah he did I mean just go berserk while. and then I saw Virginia start to like kind of walk back and I was like "What is going on and like nobody knew what was going on mm-hmm. and it was because one it was so loud two there just wasn't a good explanation like right there of what actually was happening but it was great I mean yeah. that's what you want in a final four like just some memorable stupid moment yeah I,
0: I that I think for a moment like that is one of the I do feel because I was up there, but I didn't go into the stadium for the games. And yeah. so I kind of feel like I've missed out on the environment, just the scene, the improbability of that. That's kind of what you're paying for, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you've got a stadium that's, that's 70,000 people. You mm-hmm. know, that's that, um, 20,000 rabid fans who are going crazy is one thing. And it, it can be a, that's a memorable experience. Mm-hmm. But to have 70,000 reacting mm-hmm. in a way like that is something different you know there's a, yeah. it's a different energy with 70 versus 20
1: well and it's really interesting too because like they they obviously sell tickets for the specific fan bases in specific sections and so it's almost like if you just kind of sit there and look around it's almost like an entire like breslin center in one section mm-hmm. of, the, of the football stadium and it's so cool yeah. and i'll tell you i'll tell you this much texas tech and auburn fans know how to they know how to party they know how to. I mean, they were so much louder than Virginia and and Michigan State, who were like so buttoned up and like so, you know, golf claps for Cassius Winston. This is all great. Texas Tech was ready to like fight people. Like it was great. Yeah. So it was it was a really fun it, atmosphere. It,
0: yeah. So the the tough part it, for me, just walk. I walked in there on Friday because it was free, mm-hmm. and so you see the stadium. Um, when you walk in the stadium, the, the setup is you see there's a court. Uh, there's two on two both sides of the court you see like a sort of a desk where they're gonna broadcast live CBS Charles mm-hmm. Barkley and them mm-hmm. or they've got a desk on both sides in the student sections and then obviously rows of seats, but so one thing that immediately you is just, strikes you is just how far away the court oh my is gosh. from the concourse. It's unbelievable. So normally in a basketball arena you walk out of the concourse onto maybe the top of a lower bowl you're what like 30 rows or 25 rows mm-hmm. maybe 40 depending on the arena mm-hmm. but relatively close and in, in, in the football stadium you're like 75 rows yeah. away from the i mean yeah. it and it it doesn't the the degree of the, of the slope of the seats it, it's hardly anything you I know, know. It, um it's that like to it, me when was, you
1: walk in a on a regular like a regular basketball arena if you walk in the first time you see the floor, if you threw a baseball, you could either clear the floor or hit the midcourt at least. When you walk in in a football stadium and it's bad, you can like maybe hit the corner, like the closest it's corner. It's so far. It's so yeah. far.
0: And and that to me was sort of a turn off. And, but I can understand. And, and then to think, I was just standing on the concourse and then to think, man, I can barely, you know, I was there for the all-star game and I could see who James Palmer was because I knew his, mm-hmm body type mm-hmm. and how he played, mm-hmm. but I couldn't really read his number. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like 20-something, it wasn't 24. Yeah, was, and uh, jo- I could see Jordan Murphy because of the hair, mm-hmm. but it couldn't really, it was hard. This was just standing on the concourse, so I'm mm-hmm. like, what is it gonna be like if I sit up in the 300s? Right. Uh, part of me feels bad for college basketball fans that the NCAA has gone this route, mm-hmm. because you lose, I mean, yeah, if you can make money, make money, but yeah. it's like, if you can't, if you. Do you have to do it? If even if you right. can do it, do you J- have to yeah, do it? just because you can doesn't mean it you should. It feels a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. This feels very corporate. Very corporate. Yeah, it does. I could
1: totally. And so here's my only. Here's my only argument is if you shell out the money, it's worth it. The problem is, is that not everybody can just blow five hundred bucks on That's, one yeah, game, right? right? And I get, I totally, absolutely get that. I'm not. I mean, if I was in your position, I, no way I would have been able right. play. But, but I do.
0: But I, I, I know based on what you've described and and you can just see it how um iconic of a moment that is it's just once and you, and you can't you can't you can't put it into words really yeah. you just you're there and you experience it and i think that might be worth it but, it's
1: just you sit there and you go through like they're announcing the starting lineups of the final 4 and it's like you're sitting there and you're there and in your head you're going through all the final 4s you've watched your entire life and where you were and what those games were like and then you're like you're here like i remember watching you know like the Carmelo Anthony game in like 2003 Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking like wow this is really like this is really cool and you're watching a game that people are going to remember the way that we remember the Carmelo Anthony game or at least I do when I was a kid they're going to remember the Kyle Guy game like it's just so it's just it was really cool right
0: um so we experienced it me and a couple buddies experienced it through the lens of a fan yeah and we bar hopped and they they had, mini, Minneapolis has a, a little stretch of, I mean, they turned it into a pedestrian frame, friendly stretch, Nicolette Mall.
1: So where is that from the stadium? Oh, uh, it's not too far.
0: Okay. Maybe a 15 minute walk okay. or so. But, um, so they had vendors out, you know, they were selling beer, you could drink on the street. It was funny, the locals, I feel like it was the locals because all the other, all of us who are coming in from town, from out of town were too cold, you know, it wasn't it was maybe like 55 degrees or whatever, but it wasn't like mm-hmm. a super nice day, but the locals were out there. They just went to Target, grabbed a case of beer and then just sat on the street yeah. and were drinking um while all of us are paying, whatever it is, eight bucks for a beer or whatever it is. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny, yeah. but, um, you know, they got the big screen TVs out there, ESPN Game Day sets on that route. So there's a lot of foot traffic, a lot of different colors, you know, a lot of... um people representing their universities even of, though they're not there a lot of duke sweatshirts there are some duke Dukies <laughs> around it was your note about the fans auburn and texas tech fans being pretty rabid um is accurate i got that i got that yeah, sense did you get that sense that bars? i got the sense that michigan state fans were like it was a business trip oh yeah you know like oh, they have yeah. done this <laughs> yeah they know exactly what to expect it's like we need to get this win Where and not it's to all like, about that.
1: right and not to like be like crazy stereotype but like all the Texas Tech fans I saw, it was almost like a cowboy got loose in a city and they're like, "Alright, let's go. Let's do everything we can possibly do and make fools of ourselves." Everyone was like, "Well, there's Jerry coming in with his horse and he's going to go crazy." But it was like in a in a charming way. Yeah. And I did enjoy. I don't know if you saw a lot of it, but I did see a lot of visors and pastel pants from Auburn fans. Did you see yeah. a lot of that? It
0: was kind of hard to tell Auburn and Virginia apart. That's they're true. Very yeah. Very similar. Yeah. And the colors too. Anyway, but it was a good time. Yeah. And I honestly, I would, if you're a fan of college basketball and you haven't attended the Final Four, even just to do what I did, which is just kind of take part of the atmosphere outside the stadium, it's kind of college World Series like, maybe a little bit. I would completely elevated. Agree. Mm-hmm. And I guess a little bit of that was a turnoff for me, just because it was more corp on the more corporate mm-hmm. side. But mm-hmm. still, it's a lot of fun. You got a ton of people walking around, and um, and you know that this is where the action is. Right. So you're right there in the heart of it. Right. That was pretty cool. Um, any takeaways from the game? In the games. Um, to Virginia, won the national title. Congrats
1: yeah. I, I was telling, I watched the title game with my wife and I was like, I want Texas Tech to win. Cause I'm kind of like a big 12, you know, child in me. But I was like, but if Virginia loses, I'm going to feel so bad. Like, I wanted them to win. I would, like, it was just the perfect ending. Right. I, that, that's what we needed. Where, like, ridiculed mercilessly, as they should have, for the UMBC loss. I've said it a million times. I actively root against boring things. Virginia is boring. But, like, it worked. And then, like, I, I respect Tony the Bennett. The title game
0: wasn't boring. It
1: was yeah. fantastic. So my, my main takeaway was just, like, you have to be multidimensional. You can't just be a three-point shooting team. And you can't just be a defensive team like Virginia was more than just a defensive team and I think the one thing with Texas Tech is they maybe were missing just one more scorer, and I think if Tariq Owens was maybe healthy it would have been a little bit different but that's my main takeaway
0: gotcha I kind of feel like it proved that I'm, I'm kind of line with you in line with you but I also sort of feel like you if if you're good at what you do you can win yeah that's so, fa- that's so totally just fair, be yeah. you mm-hmm. and if you achieve at a certain level. Mm-hmm. Like Virginia, um, at Texas Tech, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country, and they were good at what they did. So as long as you're at that level, mm-hmm. you can win no matter just what Just be exactly
1: who you, you need to be. Yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I agree.
0: So Creighton and Nebraska, they like to let it fly and push tempo. Great. If you're really good at that, yeah. you, also you can't be terrible at the other parts of the game. Right,
1: you have to be. That's why, I mean, you can't just be one thing, but if you are extremely good at one thing, like, to better than anyone in the country, then you can make it there. Right. Like, like Villanova, I think, in a way, is somewhat of an outlier where I think we thought they would be normal for just, like, okay, well, everyone's going to shoot threes and everyone's going to make the Final Four, where I think instead we are thinking of it, you know, two years later or even a year later of, like, well, okay, they were just extremely good at that one. They were, you you know what I mean? Right. So, I think with, like, Creighton and Nebraska, they can be three-point shooting, you know, let it fly, all that stuff, but they also need to be... Like not horrible on the defensive end yes. and like actually try—you know what I mean? Like you have to be more than just one A thing. A little
0: bit more balanced, but you can do what you do, yeah, and get there, yeah. As long as you're obviously good enough and efficiency. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of what it is. You yeah. need to be efficient, yeah, because uh, I mean, those two teams, especially second Virginia, they did not waste possessions. No, they didn't. And,
1: that's uh, why it was fun because yeah. it was like every possession. It was like, all right, don't screw up. Right. It was. It was fun.
0: So tell me about your interactions with uh, Fred Horberg. As yeah. You, as you mentioned, he was uh, at the game, and you, got to, you wrote about it. Uh, yes, he was. Hanging out with him for the end of the Auburn-Virginia game, and obviously you watched the Sun play. Mitch's Sun plays for Michigan State, so mm-hmm. we watched game. But him at the Final Four, yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about this, that there was a sort of a, uh, a walking billboard for Nebraska yeah. basketball for at least a few days. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, he, we had plans to meet up, and then uh, that got, pushed back a little bit because he got into town and wanted to take a nap which like don't blame him at all there's a lot going on and I'm a big fan of naps anyway um so he ended up showing up like a little bit after the second half of the um the first game uh the Virginia game and we talked a little bit just kind of you know what's like be here and to be able to support his son and how his last week has gone um and the main thing I was curious about was, and I actually got some crap from Creighton fans about this um, on Twitter, which, you know, it's Twitter. But uh, there's just this, this interesting dynamic with Fred and um, the Nebraska job where the ne- Nebraska fans just want an NCAA tournament win. Like, they will be so happy with just getting that black mark off of the program. And Fred's already done that. He's been there. He's gone to the Speed 16. Winning an NCAA tournament game to him isn't this big mountain he's got to climb. He's already climbed it. And so... I wanted to talk to him a little bit about that dynamic of like he's dreaming bigger than that but also this this idea of you know he's 46 he's young he's a young coach he's only been a head coach in division one for five years and so you know you look through it uh, Mike Krzyzewski got to his first Final Four in year 11 Bobby Knight was year eight Bill Self was 11 um, Tony Bennett was 13 like there's a lot of these like really good coaches we think of in revere. I mean, it took them a long time to get what, what Chris Beard just did getting to the national title game in year three is like unheard of. Yeah, like it's crazy. And so,
0: right? Or, yeah, well, Beard was he was coaching. Well, got, year years, three at, at Texas Tech at the, the once at one school. Yeah, he coached get, a few years, but he really isn't. He's a young coach too. He's yeah. still
1: super that, yeah. young. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just very very rare. And so. You know, I just wanted to talk to him a little bit about. You know, he's a young coach. With how much does he think about the Final Four, and does he dream about it as much as other young coaches do? You know, this isn't you know some sixty-five-year-old coach who just really wants to get there one day. It's like there's a realistic possibility he could end up trying to coach there. So it was cool. I mean, it was you know, he was wearing a you know Michigan State shirt and Michigan State jacket and enjoying himself with with some friends. Um, but it was just one of those things where a Nebraska coach was there and recognizable, and him walking around, people are. Giving him fist bumps and he's posing for photos and Texas Tech fans were, you know, saying that they were glad that he's not coaching in the Big Twelve anymore. And but they still hope that he fails in the Big Twelve or in the Big Ten because they beat their team so often. So, mm. so it was cool. I mean, I think just him being there was a good kind of representation of Nebraska and everything that Bill moose wants uh, from a head coach, just being there, and that's news.
0: Yeah. No. You know? No doubt. Yeah. Um. Real quick, what what's the update on Hoiberg's coaching staff? Yes. So, because he is, uh, um, there was that piece to it of where he's now, like the the program has shifted and it's now Hoyberg's. It's a different sort of feel, mm-hmm. and like you said, the the expectations have shifted now. But also, there's work to be done. Right? Yeah. I <laughs> it's mean, like there's this feel good story part of it where you're just like, hey, let's get to know Fred and let's yeah. see learn how he thinks, but also, uh. By the way, you doing stuff? <laughs> right, like,
1: yeah, because yeah. they get the ball rolling, right? Yeah, they have. They not only have to build a staff, they have to build a roster. Yeah, <laughs> like they gotta read. They gotta do a lot of stuff. Um, so as of today, as of recording this, um, they, this is a Wednesday. By the this way. this is Wednesday, they yeah. have hired Matt Abdalmassy. Obviously, he's been recruiting like crazy. Um, so he's one assistant. Bobby Lutz is a special assistant to the head coach or assistant, special assistant. He's not going to be a assistant coach though Mm -hmm. um he's not gonna be one of those three coaches he's a former head coach at charlotte well known um all over the country um you know he he'll be kind of an offensive guy to help help fred part of me thinks that he'll be kind of an intermediary between the athletics department and the basketball program kind of what mark Bain did a little bit there but he could just be like just an analyst that's just there and gives you numbers and helps out scouts and things like that so i'm not really sure how that's going to work um And then, so that opens two spots for the assistant coaches. Um, They tried to hire Charlie Henry, who was the G League coach for the Windy City Bulls, that followed Fred from Iowa State to Chicago. Um, But Charlie got an opportunity to go coach uh at Alabama and felt like that was a better opportunity. And so they they had kind of had to think of an agreement of like, yeah, Charlie's gonna come here. Um and then, you know, coaches, you can never say that they're gonna come until they sign. Right. Um, but so Charlie, you know, ended up going to Alabama. So again, there's two spots open. I'm pretty sure one of them's gonna be Armand Gates, though that's not been confirmed yet. Um he hasn't responded, Fred hasn't responded. It kind of sounds like there's kind of a trial period going on. Hmm. Um for gates but i imagine he's been around long enough um he's helped recruit them enough that i think that he's shown his value and that he'll he'll likely be that second assistant coach the third one it's kind of up in the air we don't really know we do know that former nebraska head coach doc sadler is being considered for the job and that there's a real possibility that that actually happens um, which would be big news for a million different reasons but he would kind of be this defensive coach like he would kind of be the defensive coordinator um you know I had been told prior to Fred even being hired that he he kind of likes having former head coaches on his staff. Doc has already been on Nebraska's, or excuse me, on Hoyberg's staff before. Yeah, um, he was an Iowa State assistant with Fred. Um, I think that that was between he got fired and I think he went to KU and then he went to Iowa State. I think that's right. Um, yeah. And so. Um, and so, obviously, Doc was the head coach here for six years, and so he knows Nebraska. I think him be, him coming to Nebraska would be a really interesting story because he knows the you know he knows the environment. Um, you know, he knows what Nebraska fans are like. He knows what Nebraska fans need. He knows what the athletic department's kind of like, even though there's kind of been some changeover, but that there's still overall kind of some of the same people around. Um, and also, he's a, you know defensive coach. He's a former head coach. And Fred would be able to turn to him and, you know, consult. They are really good friends. Fred said when he got hired that, you know, Doc is one of his closest friends in the business. So I think that this marriage could could really happen. I think right now it kind of depends on Doc. I mean, I think the, the ball is all in Doc's court of whether or not he wants to um, take this chance and, and kind of be an assistant. I think, you know, he makes $350,000 right now at Southern Miss. He could get that almost exact same money or even a little bit more to be an assistant, which is pretty attractive for some coaches that are in his position i think so um and he obviously likes fred a lot and he he believes in what he's doing so i think that that third one very very well could be doc sadler obviously it's not set in stone but he's under consideration um and i think that fred would like it to be him but but we're not really sure but it's still kind of formulating you know we thought fred had said that you know he thought that this staff would be done by monday tuesday well he said early early on during this week and it's wednesday Tomorrow, officially, it would be later in the week. So I think that we'll probably get it figured out. I think they'll probably have a staff by the spring game on Saturday, but we'll see.
0: Doc returning to Lincoln, you know, the idea of it seems odd, but also this was the guy who, when he was fired, Tom Osborne met with the media yeah, and then walked out of the room after announcing that he fired him, and then Doc Sadler walked in the room and met with reporters like that to me that's still a moment that i were you there for that yeah i haven't really i haven't been able to come to grips with how (laughs) bizarre of just you know on one hand you're talking about the future of the program and then
1: this person's not a part of it yes yeah
0: um and and but you could see how much nebraska and lincoln meant to doc Mm -hmm. um when he was up there and talking about you know having to move on and parting ways with the program
1: but it would but, still be just surreal, right? Yeah. I mean that's yeah. crazy. No doubt. Um so yeah. There we'll we'll see what happens. Do you wanna lay the groundwork for the off season?
0: Well the recruit I mean, you mentioned the spring game, by the way. Yeah. And we'll we can kind of um set the stage for what is what Creighton's gonna try to do. But yeah. um since we're talking about Nebraska, let's just continue on this road. Okay. It's a big weekend, right? Are they yeah. gonna bring in some guys? Is that the thought that, yeah. that they can uh or some guys are going to stop by to, for this spring game? Or I guess maybe what is the plan for April and May? What are the, now that the coaches, coaching staff is almost solidified, mm-hmm. what are the Huskers trying to do to fill these open spots?
1: So they've offered, they offered seven guys last Saturday, which was from the 2020 to 2022 class. So kind of they laid the groundwork a little bit um for the future but they're gonna go after transfers pretty hard and that's kind of a hard thing to follow because there's the transfer portal is massive um, and it's, this it's stuff, like and u.s Bank it stadium. changes so quickly it, because obviously yeah. every day
0: first off um there's new names that are that emerge yeah and so as if you can imagine um a, a coaching staff maybe having a board or a list of okay these are the top shooting guard transfers that we like or the mm. top uh, big man transfers, and then suddenly you reshuffle that. Yeah. After two days, because now there's more names on the or there's less list, because or, they're, or because they
1: pick another school mm-hmm. or they're gone. I mean, it's it's crazy too because we don't have access to the transfer portal, but the coaches do. Like the the public, the media, we don't. We can't really see who's in there. And so, I mean, they're gonna go after what what I've seen so far is there are four guys who have told national reporters or local reporters that Nebraska has talked to them about coming over. And all four of them are, like, 6-3 guards who average about 14 points a game, rebound four, you know, four rebounds a game, shoot 40% from the field, and, like, 36% from three. I mean, it's, like, almost weird how identical all their stats are. So they're clearly going after, in my opinion, kind of a point guard that could be a two. So basically you know, theoretically you could play Deshaun Burke out of two or Gervais Green out of two and then this transfer could be your Somebody who can
0: handle the ball and score. Right. Like just make decisions. Right. And so, so
1: they're gonna bring in I think three guys uh for the for visits this weekend that it could change. Um Gervais Green is one of those. He's gonna come in and you know, see if he feels the same way about Nebraska that he did the first time he visited. Um but they're just—I mean, it's just—it's—it's it's chaos where it's, you know, they're trying to find transfers and you also have laid the groundwork, and also there's this Roby, you know, question kind of hanging over everything, and so right. I think they've got four scholarships open right now and maybe five if Roby leaves. Hmm. I think that's right. Um, so again, the the whole roster is going to change, well, and I wonder, so they're going to recruit like crazy. The next I wonder month.
0: how much, you know, the St. John sort of dumpster fire that's going on right now <laughs> impacts. Nebraska, yeah. because obviously Abdul Massey was the lead recruiter for guys on that team, on the St. John's team, mm-hmm. not, and then guys who were coming in, right. so St. John's fired his coach, Chris Mullen. Well, I'm sorry, Chris Mullen stepped down.
1: He stepped down, yeah, after um, Abdul Massey lost, apparently because he doesn't want to recruit, and because Abdul Massey recruited for He did.
0: Them. He did. There might be other reasons, but they, yeah. they definitely underachieved this year yeah. with, a, with a talented roster. But anyway, so they do have talent there, and there's already guys who are talking about transferring you got. Jamari Pons already announced way before that he was going to, before the, the chaos began, that mm. he was going to go pro, but um, and I think maybe one other player is going pro, but you still have guys on that roster that, again, Abdul-Massar recruited, and now they might be looking for other spots to land. Right. And I feel like in the transfer w- window, you know, if you have connections to guys, oh, yeah. it gives you the the advantage from from Creighton's stand- standpoint. <clears throat> Creighton's standpoint, you know, a guy like Marcus Foster, they brought in, who played two years at Kansas State, brought in as a transfer. They have recruited him out of high school. So when yeah. he decides, oh, I want to transfer, Crane's all over that because, right. hey, we have a relationship, a prior mm-hmm. relationship. So I feel like St. John's having some guys, some recruits, and mm-hmm. also some current players who are thinking, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. Maybe that they, Nebraska has the end, so yeah. I'm kind of curious to see how yeah. many St. John's guys end up too. on this roster, and it's so, if any. I don't know. And
1: it's it. so interesting too because their recruiting class and the guys that Abdomasi was kind of recruiting there, they were kind of New York guys. Like they were, they too. were yeah. from you know, I think the furthest one away that I saw uh, was like Pennsylvania or Connecticut or something. I mean, they're they're northeastern kids, mm. and so I'm curious if if you know if, if those kids want to come to Nebraska, if Abdomasi, it's kind of the first time that Massey will have to recruit. Nebraska and not just his guys, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like uh, it's a totally different game recruiting Nebraska than it is to New so, York yeah, when you're in right, New York. Yeah. At the same time, he was able to do it at Iowa State. Yeah. And so you could see how the... I, it's funny, like, I have to get familiar with St. John's recruiting, like, <laughs> because this is my job now. Yeah. Um, I am curious about that, too. and And just in general, the hardest thing, too, with transfer markets is it's hard to... You don't... You just never really know one who's gonna decide to transfer what they're looking for what they're
0: looking for is a big piece. like I mean, and the because we don't know them you the know? fit matters mm-hmm. and, and and it's all rushed i mean uh you know there are guys who will say hey i'm transferring and then two weeks later have made a decision yeah and you know sometimes it doesn't go that quickly but it, it does it is packed into like a month we're talking about a full what usually takes two years in terms of recruiting, About or a, week. a, a yeah. year, it's now suddenly boiled down Thomas into like Allen, three
1: weeks. Thomas Allen announced that he was uh, transferring, and I think it was five days later, he's going to NC yeah. State, yeah. Like, just like that. So you have to be aware of who's thinking what and who might decide to transfer, and then once they pull the trigger, getting in there, getting a relationship, trying to stand out between the 20 schools that are trying to get you. So that, they're gonna hit that hard in the next month while things are open. Um, and we'll see i mean i think that there's gonna be some visitors this weekend and there'll be some visitors i imagine every weekend and then in the, in the coming month right um and then we'll see how this roster shakes out because obviously they want guys to be signed and get on campus by the summer um to get them to workouts and figure stuff out but so it's just kind of a mess <laughs> but it, a i mean it's fun bit, yeah. it's fun but it's a mess it's, it's a little chaotic, but yeah. that's okay. That's a little less it, chaotic as Creighton, though. I don't know. But it's still chaotic.
0: It, they don't have the, the same sort of urgency where Nebraska is, we got to fill a roster. Right. Like, Creighton's returning, potentially, its top seven scorers, right. so there's not as much of an um, urgency, I guess, maybe, mm-hmm. to, to fill, like, oh, we got to get guys. right? Um, it gives them a little bit more flexibility. Like, like Greg McDermott said, he used the word selective. Um, but that was more in reference to the 2019 recruiting cycle Mm -hmm. as a whole because Mm -hmm. they have, um, they have a good team intact or they have a a lot of promise and potential intact, but that doesn't mean that they still don't want to add to it. And that's, and they do. And so, um, they've, I think they've looked for help on the wing, um, or kind of like at that two guard, three guard spot because they, now while they do bring back a lot of their core they did lose two seniors in Caleb Joseph and Connor Cashaw who played reserve minutes as wing players Mm -hmm. and so you take them away now suddenly there's a lot more um, pressure or onus or responsibility on guys guys like Tyshawn Alexander, Mitch Balick, and um, Davion Mintz assuming he plays more of that off-ball role that he did as, as the year progressed probably feel like, you'd feel more comfortable to have another guy into that mix. Mm -hmm. And so maybe they um, go after a grad transfer that fits that mold. It's been reported that a Western Michigan player, um, gosh, Bryce Moore, I think is his name, he was more of a defensive-oriented guy, got an all-MAC defensive team um, award two years ago. And so, he's going to take a visit to Creighton. He's taken one to Xavier and then Creighton. So he's a guy that's on the radar, but I think there's a lot of guys who profile similarly who he can make an open shot and right. they want that. Yeah. But also maybe um, maybe somebody with some size and some toughness to kind of bring an element um, of you know, tenacity being able to yeah. defend on the perimeter. Um, so the transfer part for Creighton is going to be interesting because obviously um, they are going to be active. They have three open scholarships, so they could try to fill that. Um, if, if Martin Kromple were to decide to go pro after he graduates in May, then they would probably be very active looking for a big man. Yeah. Although there's
1: not usually a lot of. So, so he hasn't decided anything yet, right? Has he announced? He's not announced anything. It's just kind of speculation of whether or not this could happen or has yeah, he? I
0: mean, Greg McDermott told us that he has a decision to make. Sure, and yeah. so he's going to, but it's not something that because he's not receiving a ton of NBA hype. hmm um, or Buzz is like he's not on mock drafts or anything right, it's right, not right. the decision is not there's no timetable to it for him I mean I think his focus right now he, he rolled his ankle against TCU I think get get back to full strength yeah finish school yeah and kind of also weigh your options yeah. as you go through that and then then see how you feel and um, there's no pressure or again a timetable that the coaching staff has placed on him just say hey, just make your decision when you feel you're ready to make your decision mm-hmm. and um because his his decision is more about is it time to take the next chapter or take the next step in the basketball in your basketball career right. um have you accomplished what you needed to in college with this route he's from Slovenia um he came to the US to kind of pursue this type of opportunity mm-hmm. to be in a position where he could turn pro like mm. he want that's what he was trying that's what he's trying to do uh, those, a lot of guys are trying to do obviously so now now it's here he has that option is he ready or does he want to is there still more for him to accomplish he's come back from three acls he's 24 i mean you could see why he f- would feel oh i'm ready oh, to yeah. do something different but also he loves creighton he loves his teammates um i think there's an element of of let's accomplish something together that hasn't happened here before or in a long time, like, I think that appeals to him, too, so, and I think, I think there is, there are aspects of his game that he could improve on at Creighton, and, um, to where, like, he can develop, he can, de- he can take another step in this stage of development at Creighton. Mm-hmm. But he could also do that overseas and get paid. So that's the right. Question. Yeah, but that, again, that doesn't it, suck. So depending on what he decides, and Creighton may have to go after a grad transfer. But the Jays are also in the mix for a 2019. There's only like, I think when I wrote last week, there's only 12 top 100 2019 recruits that who, aren't signed. That, that aren't signed. Yeah. Um, and they that signing period opens next week. Um, and Tristan and Arunia is one of them. He's a kid from the Netherlands who played the last couple years of high school ball in Utah. Mm -hmm. And he has been one of, one of Creighton's top targets for the last two years. So there's reports, um, that he will take his official, he hasn't taken his official visits yet, but he will take them soon. And Creighton figures to be one of them. He officially visit, unofficially visited the campus in February, um, when he was in Nebraska for a, for a tournament. And so he's another, another name to
1: watch. Yeah. Well, it's, Interesting, because I think Nebraska and Creighton are going to start going after some of the same guys, because they already are.
0: Right, Caleb Grill. Caleb Grill. Yeah. yeah. What's uh, has Nebraska reach out to him?
1: Uh yeah. i I. I have a hunch that Nebraska saw him yesterday.
0: So Caleb Grills is a kid out of Wichita, like a six three. Yeah. Um, I mean, got he has hops, and he can shoot the ball. He's good. I yeah, got a little bit of a competitive vibe, and he is reportedly um, gonna Nebraska. Take...
1: Or sorry, Creighton talked with him recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I saw him recently. I right. Believe. So he
0: was initially committed to South Dakota State, and then South Dakota State lost its coach to UNLV. Mm-hmm. So reportedly, Kansas State, Iowa State, Creighton, UNLV are in the mix.
1: Mm-hmm. I think Nebraska is going to jump in there too. I think they, gonna, they like. We're going to try to. Well, we'll yeah, see. yeah, yeah. We'll see. There, there's also some like. It's interesting,
0: but that's but that's what's that is what is I think going to be fun about following these two programs. They both play similar styles, right? That's so what I they're going to yeah. look for similar players, mm-hmm. and especially right now when we're at the kind of in this transfer market window or at the end of the 2019 recruiting cycle. I mean, there's not a lot of guys there, mm-hmm. um, it's, It makes sense, especially a, a kid who's in the region. That right? Yeah, it's they, not
1: that you know far of a plane ride mm-hmm. it's also that if regard if he were commits to create north nebraska there would there is worth a story there i think of like so dean wade at k-state was this like 2a superstar in in kansas like the one of the lower and people were like well i don't know if he's any good or not or whatever and they ended up being really good mm-hmm. this you know caleb doesn't play in a very high level high school basketball I mean, he's pretty small and so I wonder if there's some like, well, Dean Wade did it. I wonder if this kid from nowhere, Kansas, yeah. can can go I mean, him.
0: if you watch his highlight tape, it's, it's, it's good. It is like he he's a good player, yeah. and I think South Dakota State felt like they got really they were fortunate because they got on him early yeah. and then they got him to commit early, and yeah. then I think maybe late in his recruiting process things started started to ramp up a little bit, but he had already made his mind up. Um, but now he's a free agent, and yeah. Trayton's interested. Yeah, Iowa State, K State, UNLV, and now so, Nebraska.
1: So, so when's the when? So they've got three scholarships to fill, right? That's what yeah, Trayton history. So with all of these, co- it's almost interesting. It's interesting because there's with all these coaching changes this year, and I guess it's been in the years past, but I, I think this year it's more heightened because it's you know more local because the Miles got fired. Um, but it's always interesting to see the kids that. Are going to transfer out of a school because they were committed to that coach. And then, so like this Caleb Girl kid, I knew about him because Sauter was going crazy in the newsroom the other day. Because he was like, this dude is so much better than you think he is. Like South Dakota State was getting such a steal, blah, 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 this stuff. And so now this kid could end up at a Power Five program mm-hmm. or Creighton and go to the Big East.
0: And well, he because, could, you know. He could also go to UNLV and to follow UNLV his yeah, and follow coach. True. Yeah. But yeah. that that's, that's it's one of the reasons Greg McDermott said, you know. I think he actually used the word foolish. I think he said, you'd be foolish to not have at least one or two scholarships open at this mm-hmm. time of year because um, coaching changes are just part of the industry now. And guys have, players have the freedom to mm-hmm. get released from this, their letter of intent and they put themselves back on the market because right. obviously in college basketball, sure, part of you does commit to an institution, but you're also committing to a coach and the coaching staff and a playing style and um, a fit there. Right. And if that's disrupted, then you're going to tr- look for other opportunities. so mm-hmm. you want to have um, a chance to maybe find some high school seniors who are back on the market and then obviously transfers. That, right. uh, what's the transfer border out Where are we at six hundred players you It's know, unreal something?
1: I mean I, I yeah it's it's crazy.
0: so there's a lot of really good players yeah. that can help you and uh and obviously Creighton's had some success with it. Fred Horiberg at Iowa State had success with it, yeah. so I think this month of April um gonna be pretty lively for both of the programs. Yeah, I think so too. It'll be fun. Um
1: anything else? I don't know. I, I think we said. I think we did off season storylines last time. Yeah. Um I imagine
0: Yeah, check out previous pods for yeah. thoughts on um I, I don't know we talked about Samson Froling leaving and I think was it last week where we talked about both programs trying to get over the hump and, yeah, and what things. did that take yeah. and
1: yeah yeah yeah. And, I mean I think from, from here on out, any big news, any um I don't know, if a couple of weeks go by and there's a lot to talk about, we'll, we'll come in and join. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll keep it somewhat updated, so don't unsubscribe immediately. But, I mean, because I think that it's going to be... Both of these programs are going to be worth watching in the off season, Maybe for a little different reasons, but...
0: Right. Preston Murphy is, is currently on administrative leave yeah. for his involvement in Didn't the bribery. did his son scandal. just,
1: like, transfer somewhere or something?
0: Yeah, but I think that that's different. Okay. I mean... um knowing Preston Murphy, um, senior, the the assistant coach, I know how much of a fondness he has for the prep school scene, yeah, especially in, in the, um, on the East coast. Mm. Like I remember sitting down and talking to him about just how the high level talent, I mean, if you want to play basketball for a living, doesn't it make sense to start doing like to put yourself in that position today? Yeah. And so I think I'm, to me, I was not. I would not have been surprised, even if Preston Murphy was on Creighton staff and had, you know, was not on administrative leave, if his son went to a prep school. Sure. So I don't think you should read much into that. Yeah. I think that's more of a, what's best for my son, mm-hmm. and not ha- that has nothing to do with his job status, which is up in the air. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's on administrative leave. He was linked to the federal uh, bribery case involving uh, an aspiring agent briber- bribing coaches, and so that trial begins April twenty second, and that's in a week and. A few days, so yeah, we might learn more definitively about where he stands and how um, much potential, um, what what the potential uh, problems Creighton could face from an NCA compliance standpoint are,
1: sure. once that trial takes place. Yeah, that will be interesting. It'll be really interesting. All right, Nebraska Creighton, who you got? <laughs> well, if Doc Sather's on the staff, uh, did he never beat Creighton? Did he? I think he did. He did. Um, I mean, I'm taking Creighton because Creighton currently has a basketball team and Nebraska doesn't. Okay. If Nebraska would roll out the ball, and it would be Deshaun Burke, Brady Hyman, and Amir Harris.
0: Mm. Well, I was over at workouts the other day, and, um, you know, Martin Kromple's still working back from the ankle, and Tyshawn Alexander is sick. Oh, oh is he? So, technically, Creighton's down to about Eight guys. Okay, seven, but eight guys. So
1: Tyshawn Alexander Sick is still Nebraska's second best player right now. I bet <laughs> maybe best.
0: <laughs> Roby still counts. He's not off the team yet. I guess that's. But fair. he's going through draft prep, so maybe he right. can't make it. Right. If we if we have this hypothetical game, yeah, he's
1: working out with pros Right. right something yeah. getting himself prepared. Yeah. All right. So I'm taking Creighton. Are you taking Craig? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Probably from a disqualification, but still a win is a win. <laughs>
0: Yeah, very good. All right, Chris, we'll uh, be back here soon to talk more uh, basketball and half-court press. Appreciate you.